I think I dreamed big. I was a late bloomer, I will tell you that. But when I started to dream, I just dreamed big. That was Sarah Moss, vice chairman of the Estee Lauder Companies, a groundbreaker with a passion for law and building women's leadership. She's developing a whole new generation of women leaders. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Now, throughout her career, Sarah Moss has been in the vanguard of women's progress. She was one of the first women litigators at a Wall Street law firm and part of the first small group of women federal prosecutors in the famed U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Sarah has been with the Estee Lauder Companies since 2003, previously serving as Executive Vice President and General Counsel. Her dedication to building women leaders is evident in her namesake program, the Sarah Moss Women's Leadership Training Program at NYU Law School, and in the Women's Leadership Network, which she co-leads at the Estee Lauder Companies. Listen and learn why Sarah Moss is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. So, Sarah, among your many accomplishments, you have been a federal prosecutor. You were one of the first women litigators at a Wall Street law firm, and you've been with Estee Lauder since 2003, formerly as general counsel, now as vice chairman of the Estee Lauder companies. What is the common thread that runs through these positions? I think, Kim, there there are uh, several threads, actually. Uh, The first, I think, is I have a passion for equal justice and particularly equal opportunity for women. And that's what energized me to go to law school. And that has certainly been a thread throughout my career. Uh, I wrote a law review article on the Equal Rights Amendment, if you remember (laughs) remember that. Wow. yeah, I, I tried to get a job with Ruth Ginsburg, who was uh, at that point Ruth Ginsburg at the ACLU Women's Rights Project before she was RBG. That was my dream job. Uh, I didn't get it. I went to a Wall Street firm, Davis Polk and Wardwell, and did pro bono work. And then I think um, my work in the Southern District was certainly, I felt, on behalf of justice. Uh, and then equal opportunity for women has been a very strong thread. And now as vice chairman of of Estee Lauder, I get to do that as part of my job. I think the second second thread, if I could, um, is this was really helpful, actually, thinking about this. I think I dreamed big. I was a late bloomer, I will tell you that. But when I started to dream, I just dreamed big. And I think that, that part of that was that there was so few constraints because there were so few expectations of me. So Mm. uh, when I wanted to become a lawyer and wanted to work at the ACLU, for example, or the U.S. Attorney's Office, I just went for it. And I think that's, that's been important, certainly in my career. And I think the third that is important is that everywhere I went, I found or created a cohort of women around me because I knew that I needed that for my happiness and actually my success. So in law school, there was a small group of women at NYU at the time. We bonded together and we all did very well. We studied together and we supported each other. We had consciousness raising groups, if you can believe that, but we really bonded. Uh, When I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District, we formed a women's basketball team. I love that. Uh, We were short, but (laughs) very aggressive (laughs) and we won championships and that was wonderful. And of course, at Estee Lauder, there are so many great women, and we started a women's leadership network. So I knew I needed women 
around me uh, to support me as I went through my career and as I'm going through my career. And I, I think that's really important. Well, then you found your way and it seems like such a perfect fit to a company founded by a woman. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that and what it was like to find Estee Lauder and then to talk a little bit about what your role is there. Well, I, I can't say how lucky I, I was to find Estee Lauder or to have them find me. You know, um, when I started at Estee Lauder years ago now, one of my sons said, you know, mom, this job is really glorious. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's glamorous and it's serious. It's glorious. <laughs> so I've thought about that ever since. And certainly uh, the vice chairman role is, is glorious. Um, I'm very honored to, to have this title and have this role. Uh, and the vice chairman role, really, I focus on three objectives. The first is uh, advising the board and the Lauder family on certain critical issues. Um, other work is requested by the CEO. For example, now I'm, I'm working on sustainability or overseeing some sustainability work. Uh, and then the third is women's leadership, which is my passion. So I'm developing women's leadership programs for the company around the world. We presented a gender equality strategy for the company. Um, as you as you know, our company is terrific in terms of women. Eighty four percent of our workforce is women. We have women in leadership throughout the company, but we all felt that we could do better. And so we have a, a strategy with metrics and deliverables. And I've developed these women's leadership programs, which are very exciting. I think it's kind of amazing that this whole role that you're talking about is vice chair. And I mean, that really is a testament to Estee Lauder. The fact that gender equality is at the forefront of the company, I think, is, is pretty forward leaning. And I guess I'm guessing that's because you had a woman founder. She was amazing. She was a trailblazer and in every way. And her philosophy and who she was, who she is as a role model still is very much a part of our values, of our family values, and really infuses uh, everything in the company. She's a real beacon for us. And she, she just broke the ceiling long before anybody else, really. And now as you're focusing on these women's leadership programs around the world, what are you finding based on your experience over these years and also based on these, the new programs you're launching is special or different about women's leadership? And what's the best way to develop it? I think What's different about women's leadership is women simply have fewer role models for, for leadership. There are more now, certainly, than there were when I started or years ago, but we still don't have a whole range of role models for leadership. So I think the first thing is that women need to find their authentic leadership style, and often that's different from men's. Um, it became clear to me that women needed the skills and the tools for success, and that those skills and tools are not taught in school. They're certainly not taught in law school. They're not taught in business school. And women are not used to exercising those muscles. So I think the best way to teach those skills is by doing. So the Open Doors Women's Leadership Program at Estee Lauder is modeled on a, a leadership program that we launched at NYU a couple of years ago. There are six themes for this program. And the first is understanding and strengthening your authentic leadership style. The second is communicating with impact and authority. Third is developing persuasive skills, defining your personal brand, building a, a network and relationship capital, and 
then grit, resilience, and growth mindset. All of these are skills that we know are critical to success. They're not taught. And frankly, some of them are uncomfortable for, for women, but they're, they are necessary, I think, uh, if you want to be a leader. So the program is completely interactive. We do stand-up exercises, improv exercises. The women bond, frankly. They have accountability groups. And it continues. It's not just a one-and-done program that's one week or two weeks. It continues throughout a year. And then after that, we've already seen quite dramatic success. And the bonding among the women, even on Zoom, has been incredible because we designed this program to be, as I said, on-site and intensive. And I didn't know if it could translate to Zoom. It's harder, but the, the development is clear, the growth is clear, and the bonding among the women is also clear and, and really wonderful to, to watch. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Well, one of the things you mentioned in those leadership rules is grit and resilience. And I know that's one of your personal rules for life, um, that grit and resilience is critical to reaching your goals. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, grit is really the combination of um, passion and hard work. And all the research shows that grit is even more important than talent in, in success. I mean, I think it's, it's good to have both. But if you don't have grit, uh, it's, it's very unlikely that you'll be successful over the long term. And so I think my career has been defined by grit, really. I have four children, and uh, I was a partner at a law firm while I was raising them and general counsel of another company. I, I rest my case about grit. <laughs> I couldn't have done it if I didn't have a passion for the work. So grit is not just pulling all-nighters. It's really passion and loving what you do, finding what, what you love to do, and then doing it just full tilt. Um, I, I was not a gritty child. As I said, I was a late bloomer, but I've become a very gritty adult because of my passion. I, I couldn't have done it, actually, without a passion for my work and for my children, of course. Is there something you could do to develop grit? Yes. Well, Angela Duckworth wrote a book called Grit, and she talks about exercises in doing grit. So, for example, uh, she has two children, and she asked each child what she's interested in. She has two daughters, and they told her. And so they were able to do that, that activity after school, playing the piano, I think was one. Uh, but they couldn't quit, and they had to practice, and they had to really concentrate and work on that. So I think the, you can flex that muscle. Uh, I think you see success comes with working harder, and that, that fuels it. So you can, I think, with some discipline. There's a there's a, a grit test that is in the beginning of the Angela Duckworth book that is really interesting. And then she does give some exercises in developing grit. But you can't have grit about everything. So you really have to find what your passion is and focus on that. Another one of your rules is as you climb the ladder, bring others up with you. And you mentioned the leadership training programs um, that you've been developing both at NYU and at Estee Lauder. Have you had the benefit from others doing that for you? Yes. And, and they have not always been women. Um, I, I was privileged to be a law clerk for Constance Baker Motley. 
who was the first African-American woman federal judge. And that was an extraordinary experience. She's a real hero of the civil rights movement. She became a mentor to me after my clerkship. As I was deciding steps in my career, she would she would mentor me. I've had two sponsors who are even more important in some ways than mentors, and they've both been men. Uh, the first was Bob Fisk, who was a partner at Davis Polk, who took me under his wing, mostly because I wanted to work on pro bono cases when I was there, and he was doing a number of pro bono cases. We got to work together, and he took me under his wing. When he became the United States attorney for the Southern District, um, he invited me to apply. I went through the whole process, but he really had faith in me, guided me, and was a sponsor. And the second is Leonard Lauder, who found me for this job, for the general counsel job, and then really sponsored me by introducing me to people, by putting his weight behind me. Um, It was incredible for my career. So I have had a mentor and two sponsors and and other mentors. Uh, I got the clerkship because a woman who was ahead of me in the class at NYU recommended me. So I have certainly benefited from that in my career. And it's really one of the pleasures, frankly, that I have now uh, in mentoring and sponsoring women and men. Um, But, you know, there's an expression that I, I often quote, which is there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think conversely, it's really a great pleasure to help other women and, and, and bring them up. So paying it forward, but I, I would even say paying it sideways because there's plenty of room for all of us. So uh, that makes the experience better and it's just better all around. I think the quote uh, you gave uh, of a special place in hell, we often attribute it to Madeleine Albright and she's certainly been uh, someone for us all to look up to over the years. But I have to say, Sarah, as as an attorney myself, you have been a beacon for many of us coming up the ladder in the law over the years. And and the roles you've played both at Davis Polk and then at Estee Lauder have been ones that many of us have aspired to. So we appreciate everything you've done for women in the law. Oh, thank you. It's it's such a pleasure. It really is. I found my passion and um, I, I feel so lucky. So this is obviously a very difficult time for women. COVID has had a disproportionate impact on women in a lot of ways, and it's shown a lot of the fault lines in terms of inequity at home and at work and entrepreneurship. But is there something that gives you hope and makes you optimistic in this moment for women? Yes. What has always given me hope uh, has been the that people are fighting for justice and equality around the world, and that certainly continues today. Um, organizations like Seneca Women and uh, the UN Foundation and many organizations around the world that are working to help women and and girls. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement uh, gave me hope. The 2020 election gave me hope. (laughs) I am relentlessly optimistic. That that is another quality. But um, yes, I think there's a lot to be hopeful about because the pandemic, among other things, has brought to light some of the hardships that women have. It's, it's exacerbated them, but uh, there's a lot, people are talking about them. The, the Gender Policy Council that was announced recently in the White House, you know, gives me hope. I think there's a lot of hope. I think the younger generation is different. They have different expectations and uh, they're voicing them. And when I see the women in the NYU program or the women in Open Doors, younger women at Estee Lauder, that gives me hope. 
And um, there's a great quote, if I may, from Mrs. Estee Lauder, who says, I believe the potential is unlimited. Success depends on daring to act on your dreams. Be aware of your infinite possibilities. So I think with the terrible, terrible consequences of this pandemic, um, there's discussion about what is possible. And I think as more women think about their dreams and dare to act on their dreams and think about their infinite possibilities, it will be, it will be exciting. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. And again, we're thrilled with what you're doing at Estee Lauder and for women around the world. Thank you, Kim. How inspiring. A leader building other women leaders and creating opportunity for others. Here's three things I took from the conversation. First, never underestimate the importance of women's networks. Sarah says that everywhere she went, she found or created a cohort of women that enabled her happiness and her success. Second, it's worth taking Sarah's valuable advice on leadership skills. They include finding your authentic leadership style, communicating with impact and authority, developing persuasive skills, and building grit and resilience. Grit is especially crucial. Sarah says it's even more important than talent in success. And she defines grit as finding what you love to do and then doing it full tilt. Tune in next Thursday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.